Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Welcome to the Employee of the Month show. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And in this episode, I interviewed the wonderful Scott Bateman. He is a cartoonist, an animator, and now game show winner. I loathe when people say, oh, you only interview famous people. Clearly, you don't listen to the podcast because if you did, you would know that I interview a lot of incredibly talented people who may or may not be famous, who may or may not be wealthy. Although Scott Bateman might be rich for like at least a month or so. He won a game show. Enjoy my conversation with Scott Bateman. It was taped live at the Writers Guild. I'm here at the Writers Guild. I want to thank the Writers Guild with Mr. Scott Bateman, who most people know as the Salmanac Carrion. That is correct. Um, however, what we're going to hear about, in addition to his phenomenal, um, he does these great political animated cartoons. He's very right wing for people who are very liberal. I think now would be a good time to get off the air because this is a guy who supports the Tea Party like nobody's business. You may have seen his cartoons in Salon um, and also in the Daily Coast, which is also basically just a huge carpet bagging site for the Tea Party, I think. Uh, Yes, it is. I want to hear about what was it like to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? (laughs) Talk about a dream job. And it was only one day, which is a great dream job, actually. Um, that sounds like a great career. <laughs> it is for some people. I didn't even know it was still on the air. Like, I watched it a little bit when it was first out like 10 years ago. You know, ABC and primetime with Regis Philbin and, and, the, and the whole hullabaloo. It was very popular at the time. But I lost track of the show, did not know it was still on. It's on daytime TV. But my wife, who is a two-time Jeopardy champion, decided she would go for Millionaire. And it tapes here in New York City, which is really convenient. So... I went with her to a taping. When you go to a taping, they give everyone in the audience the test to be on the show, like a written test of like 50 questions of weird trivia. A lot of it's pop culture stuff, a lot of it's, but there's also some weird oddball geography and what have you. But this is perfect for you because yeah. what you, your, your yeah. raison d'etre is uh, facts and making fun of facts. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, making, making up facts. Yeah, but we, uh, out of like 120 people in the audience, only about six people pass. Wait, how many people in the audience? About 120. Okay, and six people pass. Six people pass the test and they like, interview you on the spot, like show producers or whatever come and interview you and have like little video cameras and, and interview you and film you and stuff. And, Wait, uh, let me pause for one second. DeSalmanac is making fun of facts. They're, yes. they're not real facts. But in order to do so, do you have to know facts that you're countering? Yeah, I have to do actually a lot of research every day about what happened in history and um, um, and, and what, what weird national holiday it is that day. So I do a lot of, I, a lot of random facts enter my brain on a daily basis. Okay, so you are primed and ready for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire because you ha- do all this research all the time, so you have a lot of facts at your disposal. Apparently, yes. Both my wife and I uh, were able to get on the show. Did they know you guys were married? Yes, but they, did, they just didn't have us like close together in terms of the air dates, basically. And she's not on camera during my appearance. So, so no one knows... It's a big secret. Um, whatever. So she taped an episode. I can't say how that went because it doesn't air until April. Okay. But my episode, and about 10 days later, I taped an episode, which aired in January, so I can talk a lot about it. I won $100,000. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to stop breathing for a second. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm still breathing. That is unbelievable. And to push it over the edge even more, uh, also won a Disney cruise because it was Disney Cruising and Win Week whatever that is. So, so we, ha- we have to go on a Disney cruise now where it's like we're being forced to. 
Does it make you feel like you should have kids just so you can take them on the Disney cruise? A little bit, yeah. Maybe the Disney cruise will actually encourage you not to have children. Oh, we're already in that boat for sure. Uh, <laughs> no, may, no, no. This may push it over the. This may maybe confirm, and yeah. also we will never adapt. Well, I'm just worried that like uh, the ship's captain will be like Goofy or or, or or Pluto or something. That doesn't seem like a good idea. This is. But there are characters like like just like at Disneyland. There are like people in the Mount Mickey Mouse characters and stuff on the cruise ship. There's like. The, the like Broadway style shows of Disney stuff. It's, like, it's ridiculous. I feel like the Disney Cruise is punishment <laughs> for winning a hundred thousand dollars. I think so. It's it's karma for sure. Because not a Disney fan. Um, I think we're gonna give you a hundred thousand dollars as a as a dream gift. Yeah. I mean, this is a dream job. Okay, so wait, yeah. let's let's go a little bit backwards. And I do want to say that a lot of people on Employee of the Month have won game shows. And it's really? been a way to make a living, either as an actor or as a comedian. It, yeah. Um, for people who are super smart and sort of are like, I, for whatever reason, I'm not getting booked selling butter. <laughs> you know, or my book, which is really thoughtful, is not going to sell a lot. So they go on uh, game shows. Yeah. And Jeopardy has been one of them. Right. And Wheel of Fortune. And so I'm very excited to have someone who is on who wants to be a millionaire. Right. It's funny because one of the questions actually was about Disney and I did not really know the answer, but I was able to reason it out. When was he an anti-Semite? Was that the question? <laughs> Where is his head frozen? <laughs> Probably on the cruise ship. No, actually it was about like, um, which, basically like, what's the Little Mermaid's name is what the question Ariel! basically was. Yeah. But I didn't know that for sure, but like all the other ones were like Rapunzel and, you know, I was able to figure out that it wasn't the other three, basically. <laughs> and a lot of questions on Millionaire are like that, where you can just kind of reason it out like, well, it's not that it's, not, it's probably not that. So you narrow it down to two and you go with your best feeling and or you ask the audience or jump the question. Now, people who are good at Jeopardy, because Jeopardy requires real skills, yeah. I would think that it would be the inverse, that that millionaires are the lowest common denominator, meaning the question would be, <laughs> where does everyone meet in France? And the answer would be the Eiffel Tower. But <laughs> someone who's too intellectual would not get that, and they'd be like, well, that's really crowded, so yeah. we'd never go there. Or Right, right, right. Well, I would go to the left bank and a uh, cafe and have some coffee and wine. But, um, yeah, well, I had a question about Justin Bieber, which I got. What was that question? Justin Bieber did not do one of these things in the past year, uh, one of them being, um, you know, peeing in the bucket, uh, cursing somewhere, or, um, you know, one of them was cursing at the White House, um, getting arrested in Canada, and one other thing. And, um, and I knew that if he had peed or cursed at the White House, it would have been bigger news, and I would have heard about it, so I went with that. So this is, right. this is this is this is this is guesswork basically. This whole show educated guesswork. Educated guesswork, right? This is sort of the Malcolm Gladwell <laughs> of philosophy. Yes, shows. definitely, definitely. It's like what is the what it would most people think is the answer, and that's right, where right. And you know, it's funny because you have three. Some things have changed about Millionaire from when it first came on, and people remember it. I think most people stopped watching it when it was on primetime still. But you still have three. Jumps, they call them. Uh, two of them are skip a question, and one of them is ask the audience. Phone a friend is gone. You can't phone a friend you anymore. You can't phone a friend anymore because everyone's got Google. 
Google ruined millionaire. Oh my God. You have to be really careful what you ask the audience because the audience has a pretty specific knowledge set that revolves around popular movies and that's and TV shows maybe, and that's about it. You can't ask them about, uh, another question I had was like, there's this leaning tower somewhere in Europe that leans even more than leaning tower of Pisa. Where is it? They won't know the answer to that. They will not know the it's answer like to that. It's like ordering in a diner. If you go yes. to a diner, do not get a filet mignon. You get an omelet. You get something that they can make in the diner that can live there. Bacon cheeseburger, yeah. Something that, if yeah. it was there in 1981 in the freezer, it's fine to eat now. Right. And I think that's how you have to approach the audience. If it's yes. been alive since 1981 and after, <laughs> you can ask them about that. Right, right, exactly. The question I faced to be able to get to the $100,000 question, like move out of round one and into classic millionaire, they call it at that point. What moment. is classic millionaire? That's pre-2013? <laughs> um, yeah, basically. That classic? <laughs> Our, our society today, yes. Um, well, the first 10 questions arrange in value from $100 to $25,000. They randomize the amounts. They randomize the hardness of the questions. So they ask you a question. You don't know how much it's going to be worth, and you say, I'm going to answer it or I'm going to jump it. And then they tell you, oh, well, you jumped over $25,000. You're an idiot. I just want to tell our listeners, if you're hearing... <laughs> Beeping in the background, we are the Writers Guild is located right next to the Holland Tunnel, which means we are hearing people who are schlepping back after having to work years and years and may never make $100,000. But our guest today, <laughs> Scott Bateman, Unemployee of the Month, was able to make $100,000 in how long did it take to make it? A um, couple hours tops. A couple hours tops. Yeah, couple yeah. hours tops. Yeah, I, was, um, I carried over from one episode to another and it was during the uh, taping day's lunch break. So I had to go sit in a room by myself for an hour so that you know, nobody talked to me or you know, gave me any information that might help me somehow in the next round. Do they feed you? They order in um, like 100 sandwiches every day, which all the interns and staff are also scavenging for, so you have to be quick. Even if you're a contestant, you have to get in there and jump in, and it's all Lord of the Flies down there. It's crazy. Well, because they're probably not making $100,000. They are not, <laughs> no. Many of them are they're just interns, and they, 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 this is the only food they're getting all day, probably. It's sort of sad. I, yeah. I, before, I, w- I, I had a guest on, and we had been talking about interning, and I thought, you know, you shouldn't get paid. You're learning things. But this is because I did all these internships in high school and college when I could, A, afford to have another job right. and didn't have to pay for housing because I was living at home. And when you get older, it's just so tough to change fields. So I'm now taking back what I said before, although I do think it is a luxury if you can afford to have an internship because you need that time to learn. It's true, but you know, I was just reading an article about a guy in L.A. who's been doing a series of uh, internships at uh, production companies and stuff like that, hoping to break in. And you know, he's 30, and he's still interning and you know he gets close to having a job and they're like oh we just can't afford you right now and we'd love to but yeah that's a different thing i mean the internships i had i really learned tangible skills because i had bosses who made it their business to teach me and part of the reason they made it their business to teach me is because i was working for free and i have to say (laughs) that when people volunteer with me i really do oh yeah think about it very seriously about what i can contribute to them because that was given to me and it is a different story when I started to work for people for money. There was no learning curve. Yeah, if I had an intern, I would definitely structure it so that they were learning stuff. But I don't know that I have a lot to teach people. So, um, Well, you certainly are going to be teaching us about how to win Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So let's get back to it. So d- did you prep between the two days? No, it's like, no. I mean, just, I just sat in a room in the basement 
of the studio. It was actually the staff's kitchen. So they're like coming in once in a while to get scrap stuff out of the fridge and trying not to talk to me. Um, I just sat at a little table uh, and asked for a pen- pencil and paper and like drew stuff for the hour because uh, otherwise I was going to go nuts down there. And so when you showed up the morning at Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? 7 a.m. At 7 a.m. Was it to be a... You already knew you were going to be a contestant. Yes. Yeah, they called me the night before and said, can you come in tomorrow and be a contestant? And then you get there and there's like 10 people that they've called in and you're all in the green room just hanging out. And they don't let you watch the tapings or anything beforehand. You're just down there waiting for the call to go upstairs and then wait up there for a little while and then get your makeup and go in. I'm glad that they provide makeup, but not food, necessarily. <laughs> food is optional, but we got to make sure you have bronzer. Well, it's more like, uh, for me, I've got a large forehead, so you got to powder that thing. <laughs> but um, Don't worry about feeding you. Don't no, worry about no, nourishment. No, 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 certainly not. Brain food. <laughs> <laughs> here's your you know, cheap deli sandwich from down the block, and uh, go to town. Yeah, here's your $100,000. Um, no, but the question I faced, like, to get to the $100,000 question was... Um, when George W. Bush gave a speech on a battleship in 2003, what did the banner say behind him that, that would mission accomplished? And that was like, for me, as a former political cartoonist, that was like, yes, this is the easiest question I could ever face. Thank I mean, you. It's almost too easy. Yeah. You know, it's almost you could trip over. That's sort of why I, yeah, was, yeah. I was creating that juxtaposition with Jeopardy, <laughs> where the, the questions are so middle of the road. Yeah. That I could easily overthink that. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. Um, but, Je- I mean, yeah, Jeopardy, you know, you have to be careful, but I feel like Millionaire is definitely more like what you see is what you get. They're not trying to fool you. Uh, in fact, like the Mission Accomplished question, even if you didn't know it, you would probably guess it because the other ones were just kind of funny, like TGIF. And, oh, uh, and they give you options. They give you, yeah, that's the other thing about Millionaire. You get It's all multiple choice. <laughs> I'm just telling you, whoever's listening to this podcast right now, if you are not applying and submitting to be on Who Wants oh to Be God. a Millionaire after this, you are a foolish. Yeah, if you live in New York, just go audition because they want to give you money I'm going. so desperately. Yeah. I'm going. Yeah. Not to intern. Do not uh, audition. Oh, not intern to, there. Intern. No, no. You might barely get a deli sandwich, but yeah. to be on it. Yeah. And the host now is uh, Cedric the Entertainer, who's um, delightful. He's fun. He's nice. He's good. He's great with the crowd, and it was a fun day. How fabulous. <laughs> It did seem like a bit of a dream job for Meredith Vieira when she had it. Now, you said former political cartoonist. What did you mean by that? Well, for a great deal of the 90s and about the first half of the 2000s, I was a political cartoonist for a living, like in newspapers, nationally syndicated to newspapers around the country. Kind of a dream job, frankly. It's what, you know, I, I, it's what I did in college and, you know, to make extra money, and I loved doing it. And I thought it would be a job I would have for life, and it was great because I love making fun of current events and topical stuff, and that was a great job. Got kind of burned out on it around 2004, 2005, just because, you know, the political situation these days is kind of nasty and icky and unseemly, and I'm just tired of it. So I kind of segued into doing animated stuff online. And, and of course, because of my political background, a lot of it started to include political commentary, like using recordings of politicians or people, you know, the pundits and stuff like that, and then turning it around and uh, uh, make, making fun of them and with their, their own words. I think that's the most important part, that you, you have them use their own words. And I discovered you in Salon. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a great gig. They actually sent me to the Republican um, convention in 2008. That sounds good. Okay, let's say 2008. Yeah, yeah, the year of uh, Sarah Palin, so, yeah. 
I like the year of Sarah Palin. <laughs> everyone I wish just, it was only a year. <laughs> you brought up all this PTSD for our audience. <laughs> um, I, I did want to go back and ask one question about who wants to be a millionaire. Please. Do they give you all the money at once? Um, yeah, th- like approximately well, a couple weeks after your show airs, you get a check in the mail, and it looks like someone hand-scrawled the address. I think it's actually a font, but it's a really poor handwriting font. And I almost didn't even open it, except there was something about payment in the, in the uh, return address. So I, I opened it up, and it was a check for $100,000 <laughs> in this really unassuming-looking envelope that I almost threw away. I'm going to be dreaming. I mean, my head is about to explode. I'm, I'm going to be dreaming about one day winning $100,000. I mean, you're set. I'm set for like, yeah, this year is going to be great. Then next year I have to probably uh, go on another game show or do, or, you know, find money elsewhere. But, but this year is, uh, I mean, yeah, this is like the most money I've made in a long time, frankly. So it's really mind-blowing. I'm using some of the money to travel this year, but I'm also using some of the money to uh, make a movie. So what's this movie going to be? Because you, you have another <laughs> film, which I loved, and it's called Adam Age Vampire. And what I loved about it is it reminded me of Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> That's a big influence on it, yeah. Where it's commenting on the commenting. <laughs> and it's really just a delight to watch. I, I wasn't uh, inebriated, but if you have uh, brownies or pot, I think it would even enhance the experience and even more. But I enjoyed it without. You don't need to have your mind it's lubricated. not necessary, no. Um, but it, it really had that same flavor uh, oh. Comedically. Oh, thanks. Let me kind of explain it to people real quick, because not a lot of people have seen it. Um, I, I, there's this old 1960 horror movie, and it's called Adam Age Vampire, and it's awful. <laughs> um, and so what I did is I took the sound of that movie, which is like basically poorly dubbed English from an Italian film, so it's already like just very stilted sounding to match the uh, lip movements. And then it, and animated a, a new version of the movie to the actual entire sound of the movie. So, awesome. so you know, new new character, slightly you know, slightly different variations of the characters doing all the dialogue, and uh, and then and also there like the mystery science aspect is that on screen there's like a constant commentary, like subtitles making fun of uh, what's going on. It was a really fun thing to do, and, and yeah, and I just wish it was a learning experience, yeah, because I wanted. I wanted more people to be able to see it, but I learned a lot about how not to, uh, or how to get it so that not many people see it. I, I feel that way often about <laughs> mo- most of my work. What did you learn about getting it out to people? Because you have tons of fans, and you have all these different outlets with this Almanac. You have the Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, yeah. um, where you use them each as a separate medium, is what I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. Well, each one, yeah, each platform has its own this Almanac content, which is. You kind of have to go for the flavor of the community, basically. Well, most people don't, and I think that's why they fail. And I think what's special about um, you is that you really sort of enjoy playing with the actual technology and what it can do for you. And whether it's like doing straight political cartoons or whether making them animated or whether your podcast, like, I think you really do experiment with the technology in your humor. It's always fun to try, try, try the new stuff and see where I can fit in. Because, you know, on Twitter, this almanac is basically. Like Twitter, it's like little little jokes that, that fit in 140 characters, one-liners basically, which are fun to write. Basically, you know, especially since no one else is writing them about history or, or what happened that day, or what's some of it, sometimes even commenting on what's in the news as fast as I can, just like everyone else. Um, but on Tumblr, you know, it's a graphics-oriented site, so I'm putting like um, graphs and charts that are funny up there, but also kind of have to do with the same topics. 
um, podcast is just me talking about something that happened in history, and um, yeah, just trying to do all of that. And the blog, I get to write you know slightly longer form stuff, and a lot of that stuff ended up being the backbone of the book which came out in September. Which is um, from Penguin, from a publishing... Um, Perigee, which is Perigee. a part of Penguin, which is now a part of Random House, which is now a part of um, PepsiCo. I, I'm not sure. And actually, PepsiCo is part of GE, which is yeah. actually part of this universe. And, and the universe yeah. is the, the major corporate label behind all of it. I am so enamored with you because you are able to do what you want because you chose to do what you want. And then somehow... I think partly luck, I have to say, yeah. uh, with who, who wants to be a millionaire. Is that fair? I mean, would your wife say that? Because she's been on Jeopardy. It's, you know, any game show you go on, whether it's Je- especially Jeopardy and also Millionaire and uh, even Wheel of Fortune to some degree, it's, it's luck of the draw of the questions. You know, uh, on Jeopardy, my wife won two days running, which was great. Then the third day, it was just a lot of things she's really weak on, like sports and uh, sports history and sports, sports. And stuff, you know, just she's like, I don't know. And then, you know, plus, uh, another part of the luck of the draw on that is that someone on her third day was just really incredibly fast with the buzzers, was on a tears, had the timing down for some reason. Well, and that so, became a huge controversy. Yeah. There was one guy who was really good at hitting the buzzer, whether yeah. he knew the answer or not. How does she weigh in on that? Buzz! <laughs> <laughs> Buzz! Um, I'm interested, actually, there's, that, there's the guy who's been on recently who people are talking about because he has these weird strategies. Like, his strategy is to tie people, not to uh, beat them. And he has these other crazy strategies for going after double jeopardies. And and if he doesn't know the answer, he'll only bet, he won't even bet anything. So he won't even risk anything. He'll just take it off the board so his competitors don't get it. And people are just up in arms that he's ruining jeopardy. And yet, I just want to see this guy, see what this guy's doing. I'm really curious. Did she feel that it's a different uh, game entirely when you do something like Jeopardy? Did she think that that's based on intelligence and that who wants to be a millionaire is based on luck? Or or does she see it as actually they're very similar? They're similar, yeah. Um, very similar. So she's done both. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, Jeopardy d- depends a lot on, on intelligence. Millionaire may be a different kind of intelligence, just being aware of news stories that have happened the past couple of years, movies that are, are within the, in the past five to ten years, music a little bit, but also... But there's also some, some really typical trivia like geography and history that gets thrown in there also. So you kind of have to have be kind of a broad-based, just pay attention to the world kind of knowledge. It's not like college smarts or anything like that. Jeopardy is more, yeah, you got to go to college. But, but there's also luck in there because the you know, luck of the categories, you're going to get something you really, you're the expert on, or you're going to get a category where you've never heard of any of it. So... And that's going to happen on Millionaire also. Or I don't know anything about Justin Bieber. What the hell? But with Millionaire, they give you four answers, so it's more about yeah. being a good test taker in that <laughs> yes. capacity. Yeah. Whereas Jeopardy, you have to actually know You something. have to actually know it, yes. And in Final Jeopardy, spell it somewhat phonetically. I still am, I will go online and watch this Wolf Blitzer Celebrity Jeopardy episode. <laughs> I was watching that about a week ago. It was so makes funny. Like half a million dollars a year. <laughs> talking about the Middle East, and then they go, where... I mean, they're feeding... On Celebrity Jeopardy, they're feeding them these really easy questions, and they're feeding him what Indiana sports team called the Hoosiers plays basketball. You know what I mean? They, like, they feed you the question, and then they say, where was Jesus born? And they gave him options. So now you mentioned that you're going to make a movie with some of the money that you just earned. Um, tell us about the movie. Um, well, you know, the last movie was animated, um, 
for about a year I've been playing with ideas to make a live action movie. And I, the ideas are around the time of being on Millionaire and the, and the weeks after, the ideas really started to kind of gel into, into something I thought, okay, I can, and the money's here, I can do this maybe, at least give this a try and see what happens. Put, put a little bit of my own money into it then, if that's not enough, raise some on Indiegogo or something. But the movie, um, it's going to be a fake documentary about the human brain, and essentially it's going to be like, it's also basically a series of comedy sketches about the human brain, which is an easy way to structure a movie. And so I'll be um, going around filming various people this spring. I'm taking a little road trip up the middle of America to get some uh, scenic footage. There's a giant brain sculpture in Bloomington, Indiana. It's like the largest life, it's the largest lifelike brain sculpture in the world. I thought you were gonna say it's the largest live brain structure in I the world. I wish, <laughs> that would be so cool. But, that but, but, I, but I heard about that, I'm like, I gotta go get some footage of that because it's the largest brain in the world. And it's I, in Bloomington, Indiana, of all places. Brain city, right? So Why is it in Bloomington, Indiana? They have uh, Indiana, Indiana University or University of Indiana, whichever, whatever you call it, they have a psych department that they're, they're pretty pleased with themselves. So they decided to get spring for a giant brain for the front of the building. So, and it's not topiary. No, no, no. Oh, that would be cool, too. That's more Beverly Hills. Yeah, you're right. But it, it's definitely like a, like a marble-type sculpture of a brain just sitting out in the quad on, on their campus. Fascinating. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to tell people to look for your Twitter. Um, go to Desalmanac. Get your book. It's super fun. It doesn't just need to be in the lavatory, although it is a great place to it's have it as well. It's a great bathroom read, <laughs> I hear. <laughs> That's perfect. I think that's perfect. Um, it is super fun. Your Twitter is so much fun. Oh, I, thank you. I can't wait for this film. We have to check out your wife on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Can you reveal her name? Her name is uh, Amy Stevenson. Her show airs April 28th at this point. They change them around constantly. Okay, but we but have revealed something yeah. that they have not revealed yet, that there's a contestant coming out named Amy Stevenson. I am <laughs> We're so... breaking news here today. <laughs> I am so thrilled that someone I know won $100,000. You have really screwed with me in terms of finances. I'm going to continue to be deluded and think maybe money will just slip into my pocket. Um, I hope that listeners go out That's and... how I usually go through life, actually, so I was surprised when it actually happened. You know what? You waste money on lotto tickets at all of my live shows. You can come to my live show. I always waste money on lotto tickets to give to people. Why not actually go out there and take the next step and just apply to be on a game show. Yeah. Um, I, I think auditions start for the new season in May, or April or May, and then there's some more in August, where you just show up at the studio one day when they're taping and take the test. Done. I feel like right you, now I didn't Everyone even... who lives in New York, do it because it's local. You know, you just go. You just go. It's like up 103rd in Lexington. Done. But you just... bring your own sandwich. It's yes. One thing bring, your bring, bring a sack lunch. <laughs> bring your own sack lunch. And also bring along um, Scott Bateman's wonderful book. <laughs> Scott, thank you so, so much for being thank an employee you. of the month. This has this, been so much fun. This was an utter delight. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. Thank you to Ian Mazoff for editing this together. If you are in New York, please come to the live tapings. The next one are April 10th and then May 6th. They're both at Joe's Pub. Either way, you can subscribe on iTunes to Employee of the Month show. Thank you for listening. How many people are like running out the door right now to sign up for game shows? I know I am. <laughs>